2: And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Lockdown Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how today on the show, a couple different topics, Brett Favre, Speaks out about the Aaron Rodgers situation, why we have to be careful about putting too much stock into what is said there and overreacting to it, and a report about why the 49ers moved up in front of the Green Bay Packers. Before we jump into all of that, I do just very quickly want to address yesterday's show. In the middle of the show, there was an editing mishap where some... Foul language was not edited out of the the program originally. It was only up for a very brief time, you know, by, by eight o'clock central time, it had been fixed. Uh, but I, I do, for those of you who, who did have a chance to hear it, uh, unfortunately, I apologize. And it is not to the standard that we hope to have here. It is an unfortunate situation. Look, we do these every day. A lot of work goes into making sure these go go out every day, even in the offseason. And so that's not an excuse. It's just an explanation. So mistakes happen. I hope you can be forgiving and we'll move forward because we got a lot to talk about. So let's start with Brett Favre. Of course, we have to talk about Brett Favre. We can't get through an offseason without a controversy about the quarterback situation. This is two years in a row. And Brett Favre... The great irony here is Aaron Rodgers was drafted in part because Brett Favre made every offseason about Brett Favre. And so here we are again in an offseason where we are talking about Brett Favre. He goes on Rich Eisen's show yesterday, and because we know he's now friends with Rodgers, he says he's talked to Rodgers, he comes on and says this about the Packers' selection of Jordan Love.
0: They don't draft any weapons, not just in the first round, but any weapons that can help immediately, to my knowledge, and that just sends a disrespect message to to what I would think to Aaron Rodgers. He has, he has every right to be disappointed if he is. Aaron and I get along great, and I did talk to him. I'm not going to uh, talk about all that we talked about, but he uh, he was let's just say surprised that. Uh, but they went in that direction.
2: Okay. Let's start with this. First of all, Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre did not have a good relationship in Green Bay. Favre, in that interview, says they did. We know, flat out, Aaron Rodgers has said so, and then there has been extensive reporting in, in the intervening years and at the time, they did not get along. They were not friends until recently. Okay, so that part of it is just straight up a lie, all right? We have to remember that these guys are obsessed with legacy, Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Favre understands that Aaron Rodgers is a threat to his legacy, and I'm I'm not even ascribing any sort of nefarious intent to Brett Favre, but he is stirring the pot here, and he knows he's stirring the pot. Now, whether that is to, you know, rile Aaron up to get him to be at odds with the team, who cares, frankly? But what a lot of that interview was, and you can go back and listen to the whole interview, at least the way that I listened to it, was a guy trying to paper over what happened in Green Bay when he was there, what happened when he was the quarterback, And the Packers decided they were going to draft his heir apparent. He didn't treat Rodgers well. He didn't handle the situation well. He retired and then unretired and then forced a trade insisting at the time he wanted to go to Minnesota. And the Packers said, LOL, not happening, my dude. They sent him to New York. He spent the year in New York just so he could go to Minnesota eventually to spite the Packers. Aaron Rodgers has said over and over, He doesn't want that to be his legacy, that he saw how it ended in Green Bay, and he doesn't want that. He said that as recently as last week, that he thinks about his legacy often and that ideally he would spend his last years in Green Bay. He said on Pat McAfee's show that he'd like to play out his contract and play another year. Well, that doesn't quite match up with the timeline for Jordan Love because Rodgers has four more years on his contract He's got, if he plays one more year, that's Jordan Love's fifth-year option. Chances are the money there is not going to work. But the part that seemed to be so revelatory to everyone was Brett Favre saying, oh, Aaron Rodgers is not going to finish his career in Green Bay. That was true anyway. There, There was really nothing new in this conversation to me. He said, oh, Aaron Rodgers is disappointed. He used the word surprised and then said, like, he hadn't talked to Aaron if he is disappointed he has every right to be. And, and, look, I agree with that. The Jordan Love thing, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you'd much rather have Michael Pittman Jr. or LaVisca Chanel. There's, there's no question about that. But it's also not his call. More to the point, however, this idea of Aaron not spending his last years in Green Bay. As soon as he signed that contract, there was a good chance he was not going to finish it. Just finish it, period. Much less finish it in Green Bay. And although Rodgers has said, look, he doesn't want it to end in in Green Bay the way that it did in New England for Tom Brady, he respects Tom Brady a lot. And if it's good enough for Tom Brady, I assume it's good enough for Aaron Rodgers. If you look at the track record of star quarterbacks, this happens. I mean, Tom Brady, Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, this is how these things often end. And the Packers drafting Jordan Love – insulates them for when that inevitably happens. Is it weird to put a clock on it, if that's what you want to call it? We talked about the clock yesterday. Yeah, it's a little weird. Patriots drafted Jimmy G. They didn't put Brady on the clock when they did that because he was the 62nd pick, but it was, it was assumed that Jimmy G was eventually going to take over. You know who assumed that? Bill Belichick. And in fact, a couple years ago, before they traded Jimmy G, Belichick wanted to move forward with Jimmy G and trade Tom Brady. Bob Kraft, according to ESPN's reporting, threw his body in front of that, and they moved on with Jimmy G. This happens in the NFL all the time. This is not new, interesting information. To me, the most newsy thing to come out of this whole Brett Favre interview is him saying he thinks Aaron Rodgers will treat Jordan Love with respect and dignity and put in the work. and. That's not how Brett Favre treated Rodgers, by the way. So for all of this, oh, is Aaron Rodgers going to be a pill? Is he going to pout? Is he going to demand a trade? Is he going to be a dick to Jordan Love? Well, Brett Favre, the guy who was a jerk to his heir apparent in Green Bay and who is now friends with Aaron Rodgers, says he doesn't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be a jerk to Jordan Love, but that this bridge is burned. That was his wording. Okay, maybe, maybe not. This all feels very much like what happened last year. We were sitting here wondering about the audibles and the offense and whose offense was it going to be? And is this going to be a power struggle? And Aaron Rodgers is the reason Mike McCarthy got fired and and they can't work together. And Aaron Rodgers is such a diva and he's going to push around Matt LaFleur. Remember all of the nonsense. Remember all of the BS that was going around and then To to paraphrase Aaron Rodgers, because I need to paraphrase Aaron Rodgers, it got really quiet because guess what? Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur had a good working relationship. And Aaron Rodgers is a professional and he knows that he's under contract. They cannot move on from him without significant financial damage for at least two years, probably three. So Look, that's not that much shorter than he had intended to play. Now, does he maybe get a little annoyed that he doesn't get to set his own terms? He probably thinks he deserved that. And and frankly, if I were in Aaron Rodgers' position, I would think I deserve that too. It's not the team's responsibility to assuage his annoyance in that situation. They have to do what's best for the team, or at least what they think is best for the team. So yes, Aaron Rodgers has every right to be disappointed that they didn't get him a receiver. That's not the same as saying the pick was the wrong pick. And, and look, Favre said that too. He said it has nothing to do with Jordan Love. By the way, I'm willing to bet dollars to donuts, Brett Favre has not watched one snap of Jordan Love at Utah State. Not one snap. I'd be surprised if Brett Favre watched Jordan Love at the Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl was on ESPN at least, and there was no other football to watch. That's not the point either. Number one, it's not a surprise that Aaron Rodgers would be disappointed. Number two, It's not surprising to think that Aaron Rodgers would not finish his career in Green Bay, given the circumstances of his contract, much less drafting a quarterback. And three, none of this is a guarantee that Rodgers is going to be a problem, that he's going to agitate for a trade, or that he's not going to be a good player. In fact, none of it is even evidence that that Rodgers is that mad. We We don't really know. Because Favre equivocated. He said, I'll say he was surprised. Well, that's not the same as really freaking pissed. Not the same as what the, the fake Rappaport tweet was that ended up being in a Bob McGinn column and leading multiple podcasts. Just like last year, the cure to whatever ails the Packers, such as something does, we don't, we don't know that there's anything irreconcilable going on here. Because it sounded like, the way that some reports framed it, there were whether it was irreconcilable differences or some difference of opinion about what was going on with the coaching of Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. It turns out that wasn't really the case. But what did I say last year? I said it in the spring, I said it all summer, and then I said it once the season started. The thing that will cure any of those ills is winning. They have to have success. And if they have success, if they win football games, if they go on and compete in the NFC, and I mentioned the Patriots, one of the reasons that none of that ever boiled over to any sort of serious significance was they kept winning. They're winning Super Bowls. You know, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, there was professional friction there. That was not always the best relationship, at least if numerous reports are to be believed, and I believe them. They kept winning, and the winning was the important part. You know who cares about winning? Aaron Rodgers. He knows that he can't be a jerk. If he comes out and is a jerk now, guess who's going to look like the jerk? Him, because he was in this position. He knows what it feels like. So he can't come out and be a jerk about any of this, really. He can't agitate for a trade because of how it would look. He was in this position. And he cares about his legacy. And if he also cares about winning, he's in a position on a good Green Bay football team to compete for Super Bowls now. The best way for him to help them do that is to play his best. So buy into what Matt LaFleur wants you to do. Try and execute it at the highest level possible and give yourself and your team a chance to win a Super Bowl. That's what he did last year. Hopefully they can build on it in year two, get even better, and go compete for a Super Bowl. That's the goal. That's Roger's goal. That's the team's goal. And that is all that matters. And if you're looking to make an impact, there's no better place to do that than the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure diseases, develop technologies, or seek adventure across the globe, the Army is where you can make all of that happen and so much more. The Army is a team of a million individuals working together on complex problems around the nation and the world and to win. Ask yourself what's your warrior and text ALPL to 462769 to find out. That's ALPL to 462769.
0: Hey, listen up FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
2: All right, I want to talk about a report that came out yesterday because it's something that we have discussed on this show, and now we have a little bit more context. I think it allows us to put together a breadcrumb trail with some things. So David Lombardi, who covers the 49ers at The Athletic, He tweeted yesterday, based on what I'm gathering through several chats, sounds like the 49ers were concerned about the Packers drafting Brandon Ayuk at 26. So Lynch and Shanahan spoke of intel that spurred a San Francisco trade up to 25. That might have been it. Green Bay picked Jordan Love at 26. Ayuk gone by then, of course. Okay, so let's track this now. Brian Gutekunst, after the first round, said the receiver board fell apart in the mid-20s. That seemed a little weird. Jalen Rager goes 21. Justin Jefferson goes 22. But then he also said that they had been looking to trade up. They'd called everyone between 20 and 40. They didn't like their trade down options. It was later reported that the Packers had called Minnesota about trading up. And there were some assumptions made that it was for Jordan Love. Now, Minnesota had the 22nd pick and the 25th pick. Mid-20s is the 25th pick. Green Bay also called Seattle. They had a deal in place for 27 before they were able to get a deal for 26. That deal at 26 was purportedly a more friendly deal for the Packers. Ultimately, that's the deal they went with. Green Bay getting up to 27 would have at least skipped the Ravens, And let's be honest, the Titans could have been interested in a run-after-catch receiver as well. So we know Green Bay wanted to trade up. We know that they called the Vikings. Let's say they called the Vikings about 25, and maybe they did that because they wanted to get up as far as possible to stop this receiver run, Brandon Ayuk being their target, someone who fits perfectly with what they needed, fits perfectly with what they wanted, and is a Packers-type player, the last of the top-tier receivers in a lot of ways. They're not able to get to 25. They're able to get to 26. It is reasonable, if you're Brian Gudikins to believe that 26 would be high enough because Minnesota, with two first-round picks and needs at offensive tackle, at cornerback, and other places, would not double up on receivers in the first round, especially not a Mike Zimmer Team, Getting to 26 would be high enough, especially once the Saints don't take one of these players and Minnesota is getting ready to pick at 25. They have to feel comfortable moving to 26, believing Minnesota is going to take Ezra Cleveland or Jeff Gladney or, you know, one of these offensive linemen, one of these corners for Mike Zimmer. So they have a deal in place and Intel. Hmm. Shanahan and Lynch had intel. They had a feeling Green Bay was going to be interested in Ayuk. Let's see. Now, Lafleur used to work for Kyle Shanahan. Certainly, there is some crossover in thought process. It is likely Shanahan would have an idea of what players the Packers liked. It is more common than I think a lot of fans realize how much these teams talk. This was a huge part of the pre-draft conversation. Less groupthink. Because at these pro days, the teams are talking. You talk to your friends. Hey, what do you think about this guy? What's the deal with this? Hey, this guy, doesn't he suck? And a lot of it is probably BS, but a lot of it is real too. You, you talk to the people you trust. You don't think Matt LaFleur had one conversation with his brother on the San Francisco staff about any player in the draft? Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But the fact that San Francisco seemed to have a feeling Certainly points to at least some level of understanding. I'm not, I'm not suggesting. Let me be unequivocally clear here. I am not suggesting Matt LaFleur leaked sensitive draft information to his brother on a rival team. Not suggesting that at all. But maybe a conversation was, yeah, we think we need this, we need this kind of player, or hey, yeah, we're looking at this, or hey, you know, what do you think of this? Just Casual conversation, not sensitive material. You know, there's a difference between saying, hey, you know, I'm thinking about going out on Saturday night and saying, hey, I'm going to be at this bar at this time ordering a whiskey sour doing this. Big difference there, right? So you don't have to give away everything to to offer some hints, whether it's subliminally, whether it is subconsciously, whatever. It's not hard to understand how San Francisco could have a bead on the kind of player Green Bay could want there. So, it could be the case Jordan Love was their guy all along. Of course, that could be the case. But, put all of this information together. The comment about Gutikins and the board breaking in the mid-20s. About the intel that the 49ers apparently had that Ayuk was a guy that they could be interested in. And, that the Packers ultimately had a deal with a team picking 26th, a pick after... The Vikings, the Vikings had just taken a receiver with their earlier pick and were therefore unlikely to pick again. Occam's Razor says a receiver was at least in the conversation there, that it was at least in the mix. And when the Packers say, oh, we picked the guy that was tops on our board, it is totally plausible that they had two guys apart from the Pack, and it was Brandon Ayuk and Jordan Love, and they liked them both. Felt both were worth trading up for. And so the original intent was to move up for Ayuk. When that became impossible, the Packers decided, look, Jordan Love is still worth coming up for. We don't want to get jumped the way that we just got jumped. Doesn't that make this trade-up make a little bit more sense? If they had been originally hoping to trade up for Ayuk, and as they were putting a deal together, the 49ers jump them, to get Ayuk, and Jordan Love is their number one player left on the board. They love Jordan Love, no pun intended. Now Lafleur is going, okay, let's get Jordan Love. Brian Goodikins might say, well, then let's trade back. We think we can get him at 30. Isn't someone in the room going to say, or someone on the Zoom chat going to say, uh, didn't the 49ers just jump us for the guy that we wanted? This is a good deal. It's a below-market deal, a fourth-round pick to move up to 26 to make sure we get the guy that we want. I mean, is this really a far-fetched conspiracy theory or does the evidence point to this? To me, it is very clearly the latter. To me, this is, in fact, the most likely scenario. And so this brings us back to a lot of the discussion that's gone on this offseason about the receiver position and what Green Bay has or hasn't done. Remember, they tried to sign Emmanuel Sanders. And if this is to be believed, they tried to trade up for Brandon Ayuk. They didn't do it. Now, of course horseshoes and hand grenades close doesn't cut it in the nfl but i think this points to the idea that whatever notion you have of oh green bay's not trying they don't care it's just disrespectful to rogers i don't think the
1: facts support that idea this episode is brought to you by wise progress is great isn't it people listen to music on record players then tapes and cds And now you can stream music and podcasts. When technology moves forward, you move with it. Like with Wise, the modern way to move money internationally. It's smarter and simpler. They use new technologies. So when you send, spend, or convert money with Wise, you get a better exchange rate with lower fees. And over 30% of transfers arrive in less time than it takes to listen to this right now. Join over 10 million people and businesses and try Wise for free at wise.com slash podcast.
2: I mentioned this on Twitter yesterday, and I I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole because it is the case that it's difficult to to even put together an argument without sounding like a homer. But in the lead-up to the draft, you heard me make a lot of arguments, right, about the receiver position. And I said, look, the last few years, these guys come in more pro-ready than ever. And last year, a bunch of the guys, even the second-rounders, came in ready to contribute, right? We had a lot of conversations about that. In Greg Jennings' first year in Green Bay, he got 104 targets as a rookie. He caught 45 of them, a 43.3% catch percentage for 600 yards and three touchdowns. He wasn't very good. And he ended up being a very good player been a lot of discussions but oh they they haven't they haven't surrounded Aaron Rodgers with a lot of talent. Well Greg Jennings was really talented. Okay. Well they used a, a top 40 pick on Jordy Nelson. Okay. Well Jordy Nelson as a rookie caught 33 passes for 366 yards and two touchdowns. He didn't start a full season's worth of games. He didn't start a full season's worth of games until 2013. His breakout year was 2011. He was drafted in 2008. He was not good as a rookie. Okay, James Jones. Remember James Jones, extremely fondly. Of course you do. James Jones is an awesome guy. And and he, uh, at least to my recollection... Was good as a rookie. Well, one of the reasons is, yes, he, he was decent as a rookie. 47 catches, 676, and two touchdowns. Part of that was he was a third-round pick no one had ever really heard of. The interesting thing about that is, in 2007, that was the, the Favre renaissance year, and he started nine games. He didn't start more than three games until 2012 again because of the other talents at the position. All right, Randall Cobb. We remember Randall Cobb, right? Randall Cobb was awesome. And he had that game that first week. Oh, man, he was the best. He had the huge touchdown, the kick return. He was dynamic. That guy was great from the jump. As a rookie, 25 catches, 375 yards, and one touchdown. He was not good as a rookie. Now, these were useful reps. Like, let's not act like those reps aren't useful, but he wasn't good as a rookie. And and this was th- the point that I was trying to make or wanted to make was that for as much as I think that guys are ready to play more than ever, most rookies are still bad. Devontae Adams, 38 catches, 446 yards and three touchdowns. Year two, 50 catches, 483 yards and one touchdown. Now he battled injuries. But it took Devontae Adams three seasons to be an impactful player. Part of that is the relationship with Aaron Rodgers. Part of that is he had Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb on his team too. I just think it's worth pointing out. And and the reason I was going to do a show about it was was actually about tempering your expectations. I had fully assumed, because I believed in the wisdom of it, I had fully assumed the Packers were going to take a receiver early. And my point to you was going to be, Temper your expectations that while it's great to be excited about him and he could be a really good player and he could be good as a rookie, chances are he won't be good as a rookie. Most rookies are bad and that he's more likely to be useful in 2021 and 2022. Now, of course, given the last week, if I make that same case now, it looks like I'm justifying Green Bay not taking a receiver. That's not what I'm doing. I just think it's worth pointing out. Okay, that's it. I have made it clear That I would have drafted a receiver. I still would have drafted a receiver if I could have with all of the information that I had. I certainly would not have taken, you know, a a tight end that maybe profiles more like an H-back. A power running back in the second would not have been my selection there either. So, look, there are a lot of competing things that can be true at once. And I just thought it was worth mentioning as we look forward here. All right, we're going to be back and better than ever no not quite but we have uh, another rookie orientation series coming up i already have the josiah DeGuara one in the bank and i'm working on getting some more interviews as we look toward the offseason here coming up we're going to do a division conversation talk about the lions talk about the vikings talk about the bears and we're going to have the locked on guys in to talk about where those teams stand what happened in the draft and have a little bit of fun with them. I know that, that the crossover edition of the, the big round table that we did was a lot of fun and and we got a lot of good feedback on that. So this is not going to be one of those. This is going to be more one-on-one, a little bit more like our crossover Wednesday, just to just to get a little bit of added context to what's going on around the NFC North. Don't miss it. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. And follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.